These may be challenging times, but have hope and listen to the untold health stories about incredible people who have committed their lives to better their communities. Diverse health activists, direct medical providers, community organizers that are helping our communities to get healthier and stronger. Stories of local heroes during the pandemic and even before that proves over and over again that people can come together during times of need and make the world a better place. Stories you would never hear of, except at Healthcare Untold, hosted by Barbara Ann Garcia. Our guest today is Dr. Gilberto Lopez, who's an assistant professor in the School of Transborder Studies at Arizona State University. He has worked to apply social determinants and political economy of health frameworks to understand the health and well-being of immigrant, migrant, rural, and racialized minority populations. Uh, welcome, Dr. Lopez, to Healthcare Untold. Thank you, Barbara. Thank you for having me. Yes, and we're so happy to have you today and just wanted to hear your story. And also, I know you're going to be talking and sharing with us a new uh, organization you started, a new collaboration uh, for Latinos to educate them about COVID-19. But let's start with you and how you started in your field. Yeah, so I am originally from a small little town in Central California in the Central Valley called, um, you know, in the Merced County area. And uh, that's where I grew up, you know, uh, son of immigrant farm workers and a farm working community. And uh, I start here because this is kind of where the journey began. This is where, you know, growing up, seeing these inequities that exist in our community, although we didn't have, I didn't have the language or the words to put to these inequities, but just seeing how different populations were living completely different lives. And, you know, there was those who owned the land and those who worked the land. And I come from the community that was working the land and, and just seeing those inequities. And then, you know, when I went into college, I started learning about, you know, anthropology and, and, and health inequities and started kind of to uh, learn the language to uh, put a name to these inequities that I was seeing. And that's kind of how it started, this work that I do, do um, the research that I do with, with a focus on why why is it that certain populations, in my case, why is it that Latinx communities in the Central Valley and across the U.S., why are they less healthy, dying, dying younger, um, getting sick earlier? Um, why are these happening? Why are these uh, economic inequities, educational inequities? Almost in any sphere of society, there's the inequities that are affecting my community. And that's how it started, you know, trying to understand why. And more recently, what can we do about it? How could we address these to make the world just a little bit better for some of these communities? So that's, I guess, the origin story of, of how much of this work started. Yes, Dr. Gilberto and um, Dr. Lopez, you know, I find that many times um, for us um, in coming into our careers that, you know, we really use our personal experience as kind of the trajectory to why we have our passion for our work. And I know you really focus on social determinants. And how do you measure that for Latinos who have such great foundations of family, uh, faith? Um, and what do you think are the contributing factors of um, our determinants of health? Yeah, so, so the way I think about it, you know, I, I had my, my mentors and my advisors, uh, Dr. David Williams at Harvard School of Public Health, who, who does a lot of work in this, this idea of where we live 
where we sleep, where we work, and where we play, uh, tell us more about our, our our health than any other markers. Uh, so that's kind of the framework from which I approach this. And within the Latinx community is how is this context in which the Latino community, the Hispanic community live, work, and play, how does this context affect their health? And and all these very, you know, what you mentioned, this kind of a positive look into it, this community and how these networks help mitigate some of these these issues. But at the end of the day, I think we still see uh, a huge disadvantage that our community is seeing where uh, we see it through COVID today, for example, um, our community is more likely to work in these jobs that have very low protection, that are very low pay. This idea that I always put out there, this 3D jobs, jobs that are dirty, dangerous, and demanding that immigrants across the world tend to fall into. And we saw with COVID that people working in these jobs were disproportionately affected with, with uh, uh, infection. And, and so it's kind of this chain reaction that these, you know, this idea of social determinants um, of health play into the health of these communities. Uh, where we work dictates where we live. Where we live dictates our health. Um, and, and, and that's kind of the framework, again, the framework that we bring into this work. And going back to COVID, and that's what we're trying to do here, uh, trying to understand how is this context in which Latinos work, uh, live and play, how is that affecting their health and what can we do about it? And, and with which we'll talk about in a bit is um, what we're doing is, is using health communication campaigns to, to bring awareness and bring information to the community. So, Dr. Lopez, I, I know that, you know, you, as many of us, as many Latinos in the, in, the, in the communities, you know, we really saw the impact of COVID-19 on the Latino community. And at some point, you know, we were 60% of the infection in, just in California. And that seemed to replicate in other communities. And all of us felt like, how can we really communicate with our communities since we were having so much misinformation to all of them. And you heard that too, and you did something about that. Tell us about that, what you did. Yeah, so, so what happened when, when the, the lockdown happened in California in, in early 2020, I was, um, I was visiting my folks in California. I was living in New York at the time. So I was in California, so I was there. I had to be there for you know, three, four months through the, through the lockdown. And what I was seeing is that the information that was coming down through the immigrant farm working community, which, you know, which I come from, that information on COVID uh, was completely different, completely different than the information that was coming through. I call it my Harvard Hopkins bubble. That's where I did my graduate training. The information that was coming down through, through those networks was just completely different. So it, it really, um, yeah, I guess enraged me that 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 this is happening. Why is my community not getting the same quality and quantity of information that other communities are getting across the U.S.? So I decided, you know, the, I need to do something about this, and that's where the the project came about to focus on health communication. Some of my training is in health communications. That's what I know how to do. Um, I tell people that you know I'm not gonna cure COVID. I'm not a that type of researcher. But my skill set, my tool set is to uh, focus on health communication and the social determinants of health. So that's what I'm trying to do. So what we did, we launched a campaign, the COVID Latino uh, campaign, which is essentially trying to bring this needlessly complex information about COVID. 
um, something that sometimes we take for granted, you know, just basic information of uh, social distancing, wearing a mask, the vaccines, which is now the topic uh, that we're all focusing on. This information becomes very complex and it doesn't need to be complex and it shouldn't be complex. So what we're doing is turning that information into culturally tailored messaging uh, using arts, specifically the arts and storytelling to uh, give it to our community, give it to our, our the Latinx community across the U.S. And the hope is that this information, uh, one, it addresses a lot of the misconceptions and disinformation that's out there about, um, you know, mask wearing, about the vaccines, about the virus itself, and present it to the community in the language uh, and in a, in a way that's, that's easy to understand and that resonates with the population. And that's what we're doing with our campaign. Well, you know, I saw some of the cartoons, uh, some of the novelas, so to speak. And, you know, I think it's so important for pe people to understand literacy levels. And, you know, it was really easy to listen to. It was very easy to see and understand. And that's really a big basis of communication, is it not? Exactly. Uh, uh, it's it's to, uh, you know, for, for example, corporate world, they do a very good job, a very good job of getting to, to underserved communities. Um, I don't want to name any brands, but, you know, all these soft drinks and, and all these different companies, um, they know how to, how to talk to us. They know how, they know the language we speak. They know, they really understand our culture and uh, public health has historically not been able to do that. We are too careful and too cautious when we are trying to bring messaging to, to communities. And I feel there's a lot we can learn from the corporate world in that regard. And that's one thing we're trying to, trying to mimic and explore in our, in our programming is how do we reach the community in ways that resonate? And it's, it's actually very simple. It's just we make it more complex as academics and as public health researchers. Put it in language that the community understands. And that's what we're trying to do. And, and that's what we did. We collected data. We did interviews with, with, um, with uh, people in, uh, in the Latino community. We did surveys to understand their beliefs, attitudes, and, and uh, behaviors around COVID. And we use that data uh, to create these messages. And again, in the language uh, and concepts that, that people, people speak. Uh, one kind of, uh, kind of next steps here with this project is we understand that the Latino community is not this monolithic uh, group, uh, that the amount, uh, that's, you know, just uh, everybody's the same. It's a lot of different subpopulations, subgroups within the Latino community, and each one has their own way of expressing and, and speaking and thinking. And that's one thing that we're fine-tuning with our project is making sure that our messaging is going to these different subgroups. For example, uh, we have animations that are now in Zapoteco, and we are working on creating some for Mixtecos and then hopefully some Mayan communities. Uh, the immigrants um, in, in California the, from Latin America, we have a, a huge group, especially in California, of indigenous immigrants from Latin America. And the messaging they're getting is even worse than the message that uh, Spanish speakers are getting. It's That's not right. there. That's right. So we need to make sure that they have access to this information. Uh, so we are now, again, breaking it down to subgroups. The young Latino population, the young Latino male population, um, for example, uh, there's this amazing uh, Instagram uh, page, uh, Food's Gone Wild. They are targeting this uh, very young, uh, Mexi mostly Mexican-American Latino uh, demographic. 
Uh, they're doing an amazing job of getting to them. They're not doing health communication, but that's what we're trying to mimic. How do we use that same language that they're using to get to that group and get this message to them? Um, so that's what we're trying to do now. Again, it, it's it's at the end of the day, it's very easy to do, but in public health, we just haven't been successful in doing it. We're afraid of doing it, and we need to uh, challenge that, and that's what we're trying to do. That's great. Tell us a little bit about the collaboration, because what I've found through interviewing people across the country that during the COVID um, pandemic, they really started bringing all those organizations that they've worked together and they really have done, I have to say, Dr. Lopez, that, you know, there's a Latino task force in San Francisco that I give a lot of credit to in managing the reduction and protection, protecting Latino communities from the COVID numbers. And so I just think these collaborations are so incredible. Tell us a little bit about your collaboration so this is a collaboration with many different institutions, researchers, students. Students have been driving force behind a lot of this. Um, so originally when it started, it was Arizona State University and the University of California at Merced. We began the collaboration to collect the data and start creating the content. And then we realized, you know, we cannot do this alone. We need a whole community to, to, um, to, to make sure that this is successful. Uh, we collaborated with different community organizations. For example, there's Cultiva La Salud in California Central Valley, uh, AZ Chow, the community health worker um, organization across Arizona. Uh, we have other universities on board, Harvard University. They're helping us with some of the biostatistical support. Uh, University, uh, University of California, San Francisco, we got a post, uh, postdoc there. Now UC Santa Cruz, we got a professor there. Um, so a lot of these institutions are helping a lot of these community organizations, uh, promotora networks, you know, community health workers, the, those have been essential to get the word out. They're the ones who are connected to the community more so than any academic or any other institution. It's these community organizations um, that they don't get enough credit. Uh, they don't get enough credit for what they've been doing throughout the pandemic. Um, you know, it's some areas in the, in, in the Bay Area, some parts of the Bay Area where Latino vaccination rates are very high. Uh, it's because of these community organizations. So right. we, we, we partner with them. And, and the way we're partnering is we, we uh, creating the content, we're giving it away. You know, that's the goal. We are, the goal is for us to create this content, to give it to anybody who needs it, to community organizations, to health clinics, it's all free. It's all open source, and it's it's there. That's what it's for. It's funded by most of the funding comes from from government grants, uh, federal grants or state grants. Uh, so it's 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 the people's money. So this needs to go back to the people, and, and that's what we. That's how these collaborations happen. Uh, the students as well. I mentioned students. Um, a lot of students, uh, especially our students of color, they have been directly impacted by COVID. I can't even you know count how many students. Um, how many emails I've gotten that students can't come to class because they've been infected or somebody in their family has been infected, the death. Um, and and uh, they they felt this, a lot of students feel this, um, the sense of, uh, of, of not being able to help. And, and when I uh, presented this project and, and started asking for students to come on board, we had a lot of, we have over 50, 50 students from uh, many different universities on this project and they want to help because someone in their family or themselves has been directly affected and uh, the passion they bring, the, the, also the creativity, the innovation they bring to this project, it's been 
fundamental. So back to your question is, you know, community. This is the way these things are done. And um, unfortunately, this um, recognition and this acknowledgement that we need communities to uh, to further health equity is probably not going fast enough up the ranks up to the funders uh, because we need to make sure that um, a lot of these grants that are out there for for um, uh, to do projects like these go to the communities, not just to these big elite universities. So, uh, but yeah, so, so no. Yeah. I, 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 Tell, I, I wanted to ask a little bit about the artists that you're working with, because that, that really is an impactful community. Um, yeah. And, you know, we don't want to uh, not acknowledge them. Um, so right. tell us about the artists, because I know that you've uh, collaborated with some really uh, incredible artists. Yeah, no, thank you. Yeah, for bringing that up. Yeah, I, I forgot to mention that. But no, of course, it's the artists have been also a huge part of this. Um, for example, we're collaborating with Lalo Alcaraz, a cartoonist um, from uh, Mexican-American cartoonist. And he is, you know, he worked on Coco. He consulted on Coco. He has this syndicated column on uh, La Cucaracha. He's had for like, 25 years. He, he has a show on Fox and Nickelodeon. Um, so he, uh, when I reached out to him, you know, we, we had met at a conference back in, in Boston a few years ago where we we briefly talked. I reached out to him when the pandemic, you know, and in the summer when the pandemic first started. And I said, hey, Lalo, you know, this is the idea that I have. We need to make sure that our people get, um, you know, adequate messaging and, 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 and correct messaging in culturally tailored ways. Lalo knows how to do that. He knows how to express ideas in one simple little cartoon. He He's just, he's... Um, just the way he does that. Um, so we brought in the arts and we brought in the arts because uh, it doesn't get enough credit. The arts are part of our lives in in the best of times and the worst of times. You know, we're feeling sad. We go to music, we go to art, we go to movies. We're feeling happy. We go to music, we go to art, we go to movies um, and, and different arts. So so the arts are very much part of our, 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 our well-being, our social, emotional, physical well-being. We don't give enough credit. So um, that's kind of the collaboration started. We, I talked to Lalo. Then we brought other artists on board, uh, two local artists from the Phoenix area um, who are also part of this project. So what they're doing, they are drawing a series of, uh, Lalo's doing a series of, of uh, static cartoons um, with different themes, different topics that are all data-based, backed by, by evidence and, and research that we collected. Um, to get the message out there. We have an other artist, Andrea Pro from uh, Arizona. She was doing a series of infographics. So it's taking you know, information that the government or, or agencies are putting out there and just tweaking them a little bit so they're culturally, you know, more re- resonate more with, with our Latino community. One example is these cards that are, uh, they look like Loteria cards, the, the Mexican game of Loteria, but in it is, you know, we have one is La Vacuna, uh, La Pfizer, um, La Moderna. And on the other side, on the reverse side, it gives you information on what's in these, what's in the vaccine, what are the vaccines going to do. Uh, so just basic information. But in, again, culturally tailored ways, uh, we have another artist uh, who is working with um, kind of cultural iconography. We got um, some images of, of uh, you know, famous musicians and artists um, who are, you know, uh, with the vaccines on their hands. We have Adelitas from the Mexican Revolution. 
that that he's he's uh, portraying. So all these cultural iconography. So we, we we're bringing all these different kind of artists, different approaches to uh, create again information. And lastly, the last thing, we, the other thing we're working on is animations, short, one-minute uh, explainer videos that um, you know again bring information about different topics that we've seen in the data. For example. Uh, a lot of, uh, in our Latino community, uh, a lot of folks were not getting the vaccine because of fear that they're being chipped. So we have an animation on that. Uh, there's one on pregnancy. A lot of uh, uh, people were hesitant because of what it's going to do for, for pregnant people. Uh, we did an animation on that. So, so yeah, so using the arts, it's, it's important because that's, uh, and storytelling, because that's how we understand the world. We don't think when we're thinking about in our daily lives, thinking about the world, we're not always thinking in statistics and graphs and all these numbers that we put in scientific papers. It's it's uh, storytelling, and that's more effective. Yeah, you know, I think we do have a lot to learn in our, those of us in the public health field. And going back to our roots is kind of the best way for us to do that. And I think that as we um, bring public health, you know, we have a lot of work to do, Dr. Lopez, around bringing that trust level back to the public health areas. And some of that has been impacted by how public health departments engage with their local communities. And you'll find that those who had engagement with the local organizations, um, with the local communities, I think you'll see that they've done better in trying to work with these communities and our communities in terms of trying to get that information out. If they embrace the local communities and make sure that they're part of the policy making, part of their educational making. Um, and so I do think that there is hope for public health to try to get back into the groove, so to speak, for the communities. But it's going to take this kind of work and the kind of research that you're doing, Dr. Lopez, to bring us back to, you know, we really have to um, really bring public health closer to our communities again, because many of us started in that way. Uh, you know, look at the community health center movement. I mean, that was started by local health activists. And it really feels like we've got to get back to our own roots to make sure that the multiple communities and Latino uh, communities are given information in their language in a way that they can understand. No, I agree. And, and, and just the history of public health, you know, that's how it started. It all started literally on the ground, on the ground and on, on the street. You know, that's where public health um, uh, originated hundred, you know, a few hundred years ago. So no, I completely agree with you um, that uh, uh, we have to work in collaboration. And, and I think the key word that, that you, the key idea that you mentioned is, um, you know, not just not just saying, well, we met with these community organizations or folks from the community, we got their input, and we go back into our ivy, uh, you know, uh, ivory towers, uh, and then think about programming. It's like no, no, they need to be part of this process from the beginning and the whole process to the end. And their input needs to be in there uh, as equally valid and seen as equally valid as, as you know, the, 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 you know, quote unquote, the smartest person in the room, the person with the most degrees or whatever you want to call it. Um, but the community needs to be involved. And, and you're right. That's where um, uh, great public health uh, programming and, and interventions come out of when the community's voice is actually part of the whole conversation. Absolutely. And, you know, I just think that um, your work, Dr. Lopez, is going to be um, so important. And I think that um, the leadership that you've shown through this COVID-19, 
um, it's going to be, you know, I th we can look back at this and see the impact that your work has done and will do um, to bring public health closer to our communities and to lift that trust level because that's the only way we're going to get out of this pandemic and prepare for the next uh, disaster that we may have in our communities is really trying to embrace our community and really communicate with them in the uh, language and in the way that they can understand visually and uh, auditory-wise. And this is why podcasting is important as well, because people do have different ways of learning. And I think that, um, you know, we just really want to thank you from Healthcare Untold for uh, your time with us today. And um, we really want to push out to our communities about the organization covidlatino.org. And um, when they open this uh, web up, the website up, what happens, Dr. Lopez? What do you show? So what we're what we have on there is um, uh, when you first open it, you'll see some of the animations we're doing. We're revamping as of now December, um, maybe by uh, hopefully by the start by the beginning of of 2022, we're gonna have a revamp website. But what we want on there is to have uh, access to all our artwork, all our um, animations, and to be able to to download them and use them as as people want, as, as they feel needed. Uh, again, we created this to give it away. That's the whole purpose, is to give all of this away to the community, to the people that need to hear it. So go to the website and you'll be able to download, look at the videos, share the videos. And that's what we're asking, just share them. You know, share this with community organizations. Uh, you know, we, we have this character in Lalo Alcaraz, uh, cartoons is Tio Rigo. He's a hesitant. Everybody has a Tio Rigo. Uh, he's, 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 he's hesitant. He doesn't believe in this. He buys into a lot of these uh, um, misinformation kind of messages out there. So forward all this to whoever the Tio Rigo in your life is. Forward this to, to them. Uh, and, and, and we're hoping that, that, and we're seeing, actually, we're seeing that this does work. And we're hoping that um, it, it starts to change minds a little bit or at least educate our community more on, you know, what's in the vaccine? What is this? What is this going to do to us? Why do we need to vaccinate? Why do we need to mask? All this information is, is uh, given in culturally tethered ways. So please go to the website and, and share all this information with your community. And that's covidlatino.org. And we want to thank Dr. Gilberto Lopez uh, so much for your time today, Dr. Lopez. And gracias. And um, we look forward to the work that you continue. Thank you, Barbara. It's been a pleasure. My name is Ivan Arredondo. To keep young students like me in school, please get your COVID-19 vaccination as soon as possible. We want to stay healthy and stay in school. This is Healthcare Untold. Healthcare Untold. Healthcare Untold. Healthcare Untold.